0: Reenacting that now, do you want to change that about yourself? I got an, an, I got an interesting email from someone who said, Hey, Carol, can you tell me some of the symptoms of porn and cybersex addiction? So I'm going to go over that today. But I want to say to you, hey, I'm, I'm glad to be here. This is Valentine's Week. And what I know to be true is that that can be a terribly tough time for an addict and a partner or an addict that's single. Um, Valentine's Day is mostly hype, so don't let it get to you. Now, here's what I believe. In my experience of working with couples for over, I think it's 40 years now, Valentine's Day creates more fights than any other holiday. And the reason is that we have expectations of what love and romance should look like. And there is no doubt that compulsive sexual problematic behavior has interfered with what that could look like. So Valentine's Day has been contaminated. And so here's what I want you to do. Okay, Valentine's Day is Friday. Today is Monday. If you are lucky enough to have somebody in your life that you love, I want you to start um, attending to them today. You know, after the show, say, hey, I want to rub your feet. Hey, I want to do something for you. Hey, what's one thing you don't want to do that I can do for you to make your life easier? Think of creative ways of letting that person know that, you're, that you believe they're special. And you know, if you've read my book, Help Her Heal, that I am all about finding ways to acknowledge that person and put them on a pedestal. I just did um, an incredible video of two clients. And he had come in and he had said, I want to start putting her on a pedestal. I've been working on my recovery for a year and now it's her turn. So I said to her, how does that feel? And she goes, oh, yeah, I would love to be put on a pedestal. Well, the truth of the matter is both men and women want to be put on pedestals. And so if you're an addict in good recovery, your day will come. I know you don't believe it because it feels like there is nothing you can do to get on her good side. But you just keep doing the next right thing and that will come to you. Now, if you're single and you don't have anybody in your life, then I say, hey, Stay true to doing the next right thing. Stay in your recovery. Go to meetings. Be a good role model. And the universe will end up bringing you somebody that you can get close to, share your life with. Because that's what the universe is all about. It is about aligning itself up with you when you're in the right place. And if you're a partner, I'm going to say two things to you. I'm going to ask you, what are you doing to keep yourself safe and stable because you've been through a terrible atrocity? What have you done to grieve because you need to grieve? Grieve what you thought you had, what you didn't have, what you wanted to have, what you needed to have, but grieve. And then, what are you doing for post-traumatic growth? What are you doing to recognize that you're really very strong and you have made it? You have made it in this life. Yay. You've gotten stronger. You know what to look for. You know who to be. You know what to believe. I know you feel like you don't because you've been duped and it's been horrible, but if you are already through the stages of safety and stabilization and you've grieved it's time for you to know how you shine you yeah, no, up, because I say and I mean this from the bottom of my heart it's right on my wall I am picking this up right now and I'm going to read it to you it's something most of you have heard I'm sure It says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. How can that be? Why would our light frighten us more than our darkness? Well, for partners, you know, you've had it so bad, you're afraid to trust in the good because you don't want to get hurt again. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are the child of God, and playing small does not serve the world. Okay, there's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure about you. Now, guys, I want you to know this is Carol the Coach's favorite mantra and you have liberated yourself from your fear, and you're working a good recovery program, and that automatically liberates others. You are a good role model. That comes from Marianne Williamson and The Course in Miracles. An amazing course. I just bought the audio book. I can't get enough positivity in my life, and I lead a good life. So I want you to do the same. I want you to find inspirational things and put it on your wall. You know, I promise you it will make a difference. And that's what this is all about. Now tonight, I am super excited because we're going to be interviewing Eddie Cappuccini. You know, I'm cappuccini, I'm going to have to ask him how to say his name. I practiced this this morning, but obviously... I think he's on the line waiting. We'll get, we'll get with him in a minute. He has created this process that he found very successful in treating sex addiction. He believes that the road to recovery from sexual and pornography addiction goes, goes into your childhood. It's the various pain points that we've suffered as children, adolescents, and teenagers that impact our sexual and pornography addictions today. So, we're going to be talking to him about how do you do this inner child work. He has actually created a process. It's called the Inner Child Recovery Process for Treatment of Sexual and Pornography Addiction. And it answers the whys that plague sex addicts and can empower them into abstinence. So, I am so excited about this. He's written this book. Um, called Going Deep, where he's going to talk to us a little bit about this. And, you know, this is a man who has made it his mission to really help sex and porn addicts heal. So, I am super excited to be welcoming Eddie to the show. And I'm just going to ask him right off the bat, hey, Eddie, is that you?
1: Yes, it's me, Carol. Oh,
0: good. Now, how do you say your last name?
1: <laughs> you have me sitting here cracking up because uh, it's not unusual. It's really very, very simple, though. It's Cap, C-A-P, Pa, P-A, and then Rucci. So if you add a little, you know, uh, tone to it, it's Cap Rucci. I love there
0: that. There you go. So what, is your, what is your origin that you have such an incredible Italian name?
1: It is. It is an Italian name and it comes more from the uh, northern part of Italy.
0: Mm, 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 mm. Well, Eddie Capucci here okay, we did it again. Okay, let me do it like you said. Capucci There
1: yeah. um,
0: you go. You have worked really diligently to create this process for the treatment of sex and porn addiction. And I wanted you to talk about that because it does have to do with honoring the inner child and doing healing work around your childhood. So I'm going to ask you, um, what is this inner child recovery
1: process? Well, before I do that, Carol, I I would be totally remiss if I did not mention to your audience that I, I? Carol, the coach groupie, um, when I started this process and God When God called me to this about 10 years ago, he moved me out of corporate America, and he said, I have something new for you. I have something different for you, and I had no idea what this was all about, and I was listening to you faithfully because I learned so much along the way, and I just want to say that you were one of my mentors, and I appreciate all the work that you've done in this area, and I know you've helped hundreds if not thousands of people.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I got to tell you, I'm probably what you would call the grandmother of sex addiction in that (laughs) I have the oldest (laughs) podcast in the world. And I, I shine with that because I would ask my fellow colleagues, will you come on my podcast and talk about sex addiction or partner betrayal? And they looked at me like fears in the headlights. But now, We've got so many fabulous podcasts out there. I mean, people have really gotten into this, and it just makes my heart sing.
1: It is, and well, again, you led the way, the way. You're a pioneer. So, but to answer your question, <laughs> what is the inner child recovery process? Well, basically, it centers upon three different things. One is self reflection, insight, and mindfulness, and it's all designed to answer the why question. You know, I'm a big believer in the why question, you know, and they teach us when we're, you know, becoming counselors, they say, don't ask the why question. The why is it makes people feel like they're put on the spot, like you're accusing them of something. But in this case, when it comes to pornography and sexual addiction, I want my clients to, to really ponder, why do I engage in behaviors that I know can be so destructive? Why has sex and pornography taking a stronghold on my life? Why do I continue to hurt myself and others through my actions? And I believe the answer to those questions, they lie within our inner child. And as you mentioned before, you were setting this all up, you know, it is, in my belief, it is past pain point from our childhood, adolescence, and teen years that are responsible for a sex and pornography addiction. You know, what happens is there are are drivers and there are core emotional triggers that lead to distractions that we're not really aware of. And what this program does, it helps us to put together a very comprehensive plan surrounding, again, self-reflection, mindfulness, and rational thinking so that people to manage their sexual addiction. My clients learn to stay one step ahead of their inner child, and therefore they stay one step ahead of the addiction.
0: Okay, now how do they stay one step ahead of that inner child?
1: Okay. Well, first and foremost, let's just take a moment to focus a little bit on the inner child and who who is this inner child. Basically, Mm -hmm. he serves as a storage warehouse, a storage unit, for the pain points that we suffered in our earlier years. And most of those pain points are repressed or subconscious. And the inner child, he's trapped in a time warp. He's in there. He's in this painful period. And there's only one thing he wants, and that is comfort. See, he, will not, he doesn't want to sit with the emotional distress. When he was younger, right, there was nobody there who taught him how to deal with painful events in his life. You know, whether the people just weren't available to him, the caregivers, or they just minimized the pain he was going through or she was going through. And therefore, the child was left on their own to figure out, how do I manage this emotional distress. Take a child perhaps, who's seven or eight and being bullied in school, and there's nobody there to help them navigate through that. So what do they do? They learn, all right, well, you know what? The only thing I can think of that's going to get me out of this is to just distract myself from it. Whenever I'm not around it, I just distract myself, so I don't sit with all this these harmful emotions. So therefore, I'm going to go out, I'm just going to play, play by myself or play with friends or, you know, watch too much TV. They're doing things to distract themselves that aren't, you know, destructive. But what happens is as we get into our adult world, our teen years in our adult world, we're using the same defense mechanisms to run away and therefore to distract ourselves. But now we're using sex. Whether it's pornography or it's other sexual behaviors, but that is what we've turned that's what we've turned to and that is the go to because we don't want to sit with emotional discomfort. So therefore what my clients need to do is learn how does their inner child get activated. And the way the kid gets activated is through what I call core emotional triggers. And some and core emotional triggers happen all day, every day around us. You know there are negative events that happen, and they don't have to be major events. Could be that you spill coffee on your shirt. Well, guess what? If you grew up in a home where people were always calling sure. you a klutz, and you know saying that you are just clumsy and that you're an idiot, well, you know what? If you spill coffee on you, you're probably going to start with those same negative narratives in your head. The kid, however, is going to go to bigger issues. You're going to look back, and you can think about a father who was just belittling all the time. Now, I mean, you spill coffee on your shirt. Big deal. You know, you go change the shirt. But no, the kid is taking it, and he's making it into something bigger. And therefore, your emotional distress gets higher. And then it becomes, I need to not sit with this. And therefore, I'm going to run away. And where am I going to run? I'm going to run to the thing that brings great comfort as well as adrenaline and that would be sex or pornography.
0: Well, and you're talking about things that
1: numb you or distract you
0: from the pain. And so, you know, you talked about coffee and and maybe being verbally or emotionally abused for spilling coffee. But truly, so many of our clients have experienced true trauma. And so, of course, they're going to look for anything that will bring them some
1: relief. And that's what your work is all about, is it not? That's correct. I mean, for, for example, see, what happens, again, we, we have these, as I said before, these negative events that happen in our daily lives. And when that happens, the inner child, he starts searching through the emotional storage unit, looking for a pain point that he believes is very similar to just what just happened. So I'll give you an example. Let's suppose, let's suppose that, you know, you had a really good friend and you guys had a falling out. You wind up meeting on the street and you start talking for a few minutes and say, you know what, we really should see maybe if we can work this out. Hey, how about we get together to have lunch? And so you set a date. Well, that day that you spoke to get together, about a half hour before, a person calls and said, hey, look, you know, something just came up. Can't make it. I'll get back to you and hangs up. So now you're like, oh, wow, you know what? That's a little disappointing. That's, you know, I was really looking forward to that. And so your mood starts to shift a little bit. But, see, the kid goes back into the his emotional store, storage unit, and he finds something that he thinks is very similar to what just happened. And he remembers when you went down to Sally's house one day, when you were about 11 years old, to see if Sally could come out to play. And when you knock on the door, Sally opens the door, and there you see there are three of your other friends that are in there. And so you're like, hey, what are you folks doing? And Sally goes, oh, we're just hanging out. And you say, well, can I come in? And Sally says, no, my mom says I can't have anybody else. And she slams the door in your face. And now you walk home, and you're feeling humiliated, and you're feeling sad, and there's tears running down your face. And he is now equating the situation that happened with Sally the same situation just happened with this person canceling lunch. See, even when two worlds collide. The pain of the present with the pain in the past. But the big issue here with this inner child is he usually has it wrong. What he's trying to correlate doesn't usually match up. So what I get my clients to do is to one, be very mindful of what their emotional triggers are. In this case, the emotional trigger would be rejection. I'm I'm feeling rejected. And now, okay, I feel rejected. What do I do with that? Well, I'll sit with the kid and see if I can try to figure out where, what what is the pain point he went back to. And in many cases, believe it or not, you're going to be able to figure that out. You're going to realize, ooh, wow, you know what? I've suffered from really deep traumas that I didn't even realize. And once you do that and you sit with that pain for a little while, which is what we want to teach our clients how to do, sit with emotional pain and realize it's not going to kill them, then we say, okay, that's fine. That's enough. I'm taking this back from you. I'm going to take control away from the child, and I am going to use wise mind to figure this out. And in doing so, I'm going to say, okay, well, you know what? She called and said she can't make it. Maybe something did come up. And, you know, th- those things do happen. But, you know what, I'll give her a couple of days, and if I don't hear back from her, then I'll call. And if she still doesn't want to schedule lunch, then maybe I'll just say to her, hey, so are you having second thoughts? But I'm not going to allow this to emotionally drain me where I want to run away. Instead, I'm going to take the rational approach to be looking at this. Yeah, remember, what that happens with the inner child, the inner child – Because most of his thinking, 90% of his thinking is emotionally based. Inner children don't have, children don't have worldly experiences. They also don't have a lot of cognitive skills. I mean, the human brain is not fully developed until we're almost in our mid-20s. So they're not doing a lot of rational thinking. They're doing more emotional thinking. And therefore, clients need to be able to take charge by becoming more rational.
0: Well, that absolutely makes sense. And what I know is that that inner child operates more from a um, primal experience. They don't have the yes. ability to rationalize. And so that anterior cingulate in the brain feels a lot more rejection than an adult would. And It seems like, Eddie, you're teaching people how to get past that, how to empower themselves so that they don't stay stuck in the emotion. They're able to rationalize the true experience.
1: Right. But in order to do that, Carol, first they have to realize what's mm-hmm. there. See, see, many of these people, they don't understand. They don't realize that they have a lot of these core emotional triggers. They don't realize. You know, most of my clients, when they come in, a, a large percentage of them, when you start to go back and say, hey, you know what? Tell me about what it was like to. You know, with your family of origin, I call them the cast of characters. What was it like at home? And it's incredible how many of them will say, you know what, I don't have a lot of memories until I was about 10 years old. I can't really remember much. And the reason they don't remember much was because people weren't helping them to create memories. You know, they were basically just existing. And again, that didn't mean that they had bad parents or caregivers. What they had were caregivers or parents who were, whether they were super busy or they were distracted with their own issues or problems or maybe distracted with other siblings that were going on. But these are kids who they're not taught to be curious. They're not taught to be emotionally engaging for the most part. Nine out of ten people who come into my office, they have a very low emotional IQ. You know, they can tell me if they're angry. They can tell me if they're sad. tell me if they're fearful, if they're happy. But they can't drill down and tell me what they really feel. And those who could, they can't express it. And the reason they can't express it, that means I have to be vulnerable, and I can't. Because sharing your emotions, they learn somewhere along the line, it doesn't turn out well. The other aspect of having a low emotional IQ is that they also have a difficult time if someone that they care for is being emotional. Because what happens is it raises their anxiety. So what they want to do, they want to shut that person down or they're going to try to fix it because they just don't know how to validate emotions. So there's a lot of different elements that are going on with with the – when we look at the inner child recovery process. It's not just about teaching people, you know, how do you manage the sexual and pornography addiction. It's also – how do you become more emotionally connected and engaged with other people?
0: Well, and so I'm going to ask you the million-dollar question. How do you increase somebody's emotional IQ?
1: Ah, so here comes the – part, and part of this is the inner child. See, again, no one ever teaches them how to nurture. You know what? Most people who have a sexual, a sexual addiction or a pornography addiction – they don't do relationships well. They, they just don't. And part of the reason for that, and you know, is the fact that you know, they're emotionally immature. Now, some of my peers take um, offense when I say that, when I talk about clients and I say, yeah, they're emotionally immature. However, I have to tell you this. In all the years I've been doing this, and I bring this up to my clients, I have yet to have a single person disagree with me. They all sit there and they nod their head and they say, absolutely, I am. I'm emotionally immature and I need to figure out how I can change that. Having the inner child and them know, realizing that the inner child is there, they are now given the opportunity to nurture that kid. When they're starting to look at what is it that that, that child is now afraid of, what are those pain points from the past that are still tormenting him? Or her. They could now sit with that child, sit with that pain, and then be able to teach that child hey, you're okay. We're okay. I'm here now. I don't have to look at this through your eyes anymore. I can look at it through the eyes of an adult. And that's part of what we do in trying to help to improve the emotional IQ.
0: So can you give us an example of somebody who is emotionally um, stunted and what an issue might be that they would face? And as you help them in treatment, I know this is a lot to ask, Eddie, but as you help them in treatment, how would they then look at the situation? I want to give our listeners some hope, strength, and recovery here.
1: Yeah. Well, all right. So, for, for example, the one thing that most of these folks have a problem with, if, if, a, if their spouse, let's say their spouse comes at them and they're upset about something, they don't know how to validate what their spouse is complaining about. Like, for example, a spouse may say, you know what, it really hurts me that you have not thought about going on a date night in the last month. And immediately the reaction will be defensiveness. Well, you know, I've been so busy, and, you know, you didn't say anything about going on a date night. And you know what? I'm not quite sure we really have enough money for it. Instead of validating first their spouse's feelings and emotions, well, I can understand why you would be disappointed because I know that is something that means a lot to you. And I want you to know it means a lot to me also. And then you could start to maybe talk a little bit about why you feel, you know, we haven't been doing it. Or you may even just admit, oh, you know what? I've been so much in my own head, I haven't thought about it, and I'm very sorry, and I apologize, and I really need to do a better job. So one of the most important things that we're teaching people is how to validate someone else's emotions. We're going to stop talking about stuff. And we're going to start talking about how we feel about the stuff. So, and that, again, it helps them as they start to drill down to identify what do I really feel. And that's a lot of what we practice in our session. They'll start talking to me about something, and I will you know, bring up, well, how do you feel about that? And they'll just start running down a laundry list of different facts to me. And I was like, whoa, hold on, hold on. Okay, there's no emotions there, and then they have to sit back and think about it, and then and it takes a while. This is this is a, this is not something that they are comfortable with, and so therefore it takes practice. And the, but the more they practice, they slow everything down. They're no longer reactive. They're now going to be responsive. So let me think before I speak. What do I need to do here? Okay, I need to validate. What is this emotion that I feel my spouse is trying to communicate with me? Ask the question. I always say, ask. you know what, be curious and ask the, the questions, the, the probing questions of, you know, tell me more about that. Or, or why, why do you feel that way? What makes those, like, for example, A um, spouse may say, you know, you seem very disconnected. And instead of, well, no, that's not true. I'm not disconnected. You know what? If you're not sure what's going on, say, what makes you say that? Ask for more information. Be inquisitive. These are all the kind of things that we're trying to teach people to do so that they're actually experiencing more of life. And the other thing Carol that we really want them to do is to be more observant. These folks they got their head down and they're running through life. And they need to learn to lift their head up and observe their surroundings, but more importantly, observe what are the needs, wants and desires of every of the folks around them. It's really funny, back in the fall I had a, a client come in one day and he said to me he goes I've been working with him for about a year and a half. He's done amazing work. And he said, you know what? He goes, the leaves seem so much brighter this year. And I just smiled, and I looked at him, and I said, not really. I go, they're about the same color they always are. But you, my friend, are now more aware of your surroundings. You are no longer running through life. You're experiencing life. And you are now appreciating the beauty that surrounds you.
0: You know, I love that, Eddie, as well as in my book, Help Her Heal, I use a lot of techniques. I ask them to acknowledge what the pain is and validate the feelings because if you work from a feeling based communication, there's going to be this inner connection, whether it's empathy, whether it's intimacy. Uh, whether it's vulnerability, it all centers around feelings. So I love the fact that you're mm-hmm. really promoting dealing with the inner child work from a feeling basis. That's, that's amazing. Now, can I ask but you, you know, in your book, oh, go ahead.
1: No, no, go, go ahead.
0: ahead. Well, I was going to say, in your book, um, you talk about nine different inner children that impact yes. sexual addiction. Can you walk us through those?
1: Sure. In um, sort of going- over the years. Yeah. Over over the years, what I've noticed as I'm doing my work was I was able to find well let, let me take a step back. You know, the thing about the inner child, the whole key to this is what I've done is I've externalized the addiction. See, folks come in and they struggle with their addiction and now what i have them doing is pointing to something and saying here see this is the source of your addiction right here your un your unresolved emotional pain and you're going to need to learn how to sit with that pain how to validate that pain and how to nurture that pain so that's where that's where this all began so what i, I really came up with were the were nine reasons why people abuse sex. And then what I did was I turned them in and I associated them to children, like, for example, the bored child. Right? The bored child is someone who was raised in a you know, kind of low-key, quiet existence as children and teenagers. They felt very isolated and alone. They would learn to entertain themselves by living in fantasy. And, and then at that time, the fantasy may have been being a superhero or a, um, a, a celebrity or a sports star. I had one client of me who told me uh, he used to play for hours and hours, play basketball in the backyard by himself, just shooting it. And he'd have all these games in his head and he'd write them down on paper and he'd keep score and he'd keep track of wins and losses. And it was a whole big project that he had just to be able to uh, create this fantasy in his head. And what happens over time is they, they come across sex, and they find, oh, my gosh, this is an incredible source of stimulation. I've never been stimulated like this in my entire life. So now they become like laser focus on this newfound uh, outlet. For stimulation. Now, as adults, they're programmed to fill whatever quiet moments there may be with this quest to obtain the chemical rush that sex delivers. So their desire is to be stimulated. And with that, there are eight other children. There's the unaffirmed child who really either received a lot of criticism or received very little praise. The unnoticed child, which pretty much describes itself as somebody who just uh, wasn't noticed, didn't fit in, didn't belong. Pretty incredible how many clients fall into this bucket here. The need for control child. The need for control child is somebody who was raised in a very hectic environment, a chaotic environment where things were always going wrong. So, therefore, their, their worldview is... You know, I need to have control in order to, you know, make sure bad things don't happen to me. Um, So therefore, they're always seeking that kind of control. And when they can't find it, they realize that sex is a great distraction for those events that they have no control over. Um, There's the entitled child. That entitled child is probably the most destructive of all of them. Um, They were made to feel devalued as a child and a teenager. They didn't have a voice. Their needs, their desires never mattered. They may have been very falsely accused at times, so therefore they turned to sex as a reward. Their worldview is, I deserve this, and their desire is that they want to be treated fairly. Um, The weak or inferior child, these are the kids who are conditioned to believe they don't measure up. They have a lot of different shame. And sex is used as a way to either um, increase that sense of inferiority within them or to break away from it. So they use sex to either feel empowered or they use it to reinforce that sense sense of weakness. So therefore, the worldview is I deserve to be used or I must use others. Um, The sexually stimulated or abused child. Now, again, that's a person who was at a very early age. They were stimulated in some way by sex, whether they first saw pornography at a very young age. And we're seeing, I think, the average age right now for kids looking at porn is about 10. It's getting, just getting so ridiculous. And we really need to do more in the way of being able to uh, put controls that we can limit the access to our children, or they were sexually molested. Um, they learned that sex is more of an act. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing special about it. It's just a physical act, and women are objects, or men are objects. Uh, they believe that maybe sex is dirty or bad or that they're dirty and bad, um, but their desire is really that they want to feel safe. And then you had the stressed child. Again, this is another child who grew up in a very anxious environment. Um, and some of these folks, actually a large majority of these folks, because they were dealing with anxiety at such a young age, they actually become desensitized to their anxiety. They may not even actually be aware that it exists. There are many times I see somebody and I, and I can tell, I go, you know, it seems like you you have some anxiousness. And they're like, no, I'm not anxious at all. Um, but then we start talking about, well, tell me when you kind of just sit still and do nothing. And they can't even think about that. They actually, they actually start getting anxious when we're starting to, to talk about that there. But their, their quest um, for sex, you know, at their seeking sex, they're trying to use it as a stress buster. But when they're on that quest for it, it's actually just adding more stress to their lives. And then finally, the last one is the emotionally voided child, and we've been talking a little bit about this uh, earlier. This is the number one reason that people abuse sex because they struggle to connect emotionally with other people. The messages that they got when they were younger was feelings are not important or they're unsafe, and they feel they may feel very uncomfortable in social or family settings. This is the person who. Um, If there are people around, you know, maybe they're entertaining, this is the one who's always up and running around, always doing something and never just sitting there enjoying the moment. Um, They see physical – they confuse physical intimacy for emotional intimacy. So, therefore, they feel like if I touch you and, you know, I make you feel good, that's how I show you that I love you. But that can leave their partners feeling very unfulfilled and used but their true desire, which is so ironic, is to have emotional connection. They just don't realize it. That gives you a little bit of a summary of the nine kids. There's a lot more that's involved in each of them, but that just gives you a little uh, taste of it. Oh, absolutely.
0: and That is a great depiction of I think anybody could relate to that on some level. And I know that in in the therapy that I do, I'm always talking about how do you raise that emotional IQ? How do you connect with other people? And so doing this inner child work sets them up to be ready to really give back to the people around them. I, I mean, let's face it, when, when, you're stunted in your own development, that can be very, very difficult. Now, I want to remind people that your website is www.innerchild-sexaddiction.com. And I'm wondering, is that the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you to find out more about this process or more about your book, Going Deeper? Now, tell us about the book.
1: The – well, first and foremost, yes, the website is the best place to find out more about it. I have a lot of information in there. I have a lot of uh, testimonials, um, different uh, articles, things like that. There's also – what I decided to do, Carol, is um, I'm offering an online uh, recovery program. But there's so many people who live in different places throughout this country and really around the world who don't have access to someone who is certified and trained in the area of sexual addiction and pornography addiction. But I also wanted to make sure that it was something that would be very affordable for people. And so I have this 12-week program, which is, you know, maybe less than a quarter of what other ones are, are that are out there. And I did a lot of research on it. As I said to you before, you know, this is, this is a ministry for me. This is a mission. God put me here. And um, I, I had no desire of being a Christian counselor uh, or to be a sex addiction specialist. I was enjoying my life in corporate America. And um, really, I was happy with that. Um, but he came knocking and said, No, we can't do that anymore. I have something else for you. So, therefore, none of this is about money for me. This is about helping people because I've watched and I've seen the destruction that this causes, that it, it, how it impacts marriages and families, how people have lost their jobs, how, how some people have even committed suicide over it. Um, and it's just going to get worse because – Again, as I mentioned before, the access uh, to pornography is just too easy, and our children are being – they're being taught about sex through porn, and that's just unacceptable. I mean that is not God's design for sex. God's design for sex was just – was also was the, not just about uh, creating children, but it was a gift a gift that should be shared between two individuals that enhances their emotional relationship and people are getting far further and further away from it. And I really feel I, I'm worried about the next generation of counselors and what they're going to face, because I think this is, if, if it's not already, we are on the cusp of an epidemic in this uh, country and maybe around the world with this. Because I know for me, I see about 30 to 35 people a week. I probably turn away two or three that I have to uh, refer to someone else. The phone is always you know, ringing, and we really need to be able to do more than just be in the trenches taking care of this. We also have to be out there to be advocates that there's change that's made. So I'm not sure I answered your question, though.
0: Well, I, what I heard from you is that this is clearly your mission, and you have a calling for this, and you're available to people, although you have to turn away lots of people because there's only one of you. This book will help to train therapists as to how to do this
1: inner child work, wouldn't you say? Yes. And uh, actually right now, just talking to a couple of um, continuing education providers uh, to do exactly that, because it would be wonderful that if we could start to train other clinicians to go deeper, you know, with their clients and really challenge them to determine what are those pain points that are driving their addiction. And I got to tell you something else, Carol, That so mm-hmm. incredible that i see with this process is that clients get so excited when they start doing that self-reflection or doing the uh looking for insights about themselves and how they kick and what makes them you know uh, do the things they do and they come in having done their homework and they're like oh, you won't believe the insights I've learned today, or you won't believe like, I have these three other memories from the past. And it's just this excitement that just builds upon itself. And therefore, because as I tell them, you know what, this journey of self-reflection that you're on does not end when we when we get to the point where I said, Hey, you know what, I think you now are in a good place to be able to manage this and I'm going to be able to move you on. Self-reflection is something you're going to do for the rest of your life. I mean I still do it myself, and I still come up with things at times that I never realized, and I get these memories and these flashbacks of the certain pain points that I had forgotten all about. But I take that, and I use it to say, okay, this is a, this is a um, growth opportunity for me, so I'm not going to let this crash me. Instead, I'm going to actually help it help to uplift me with it.
0: I am amazed at your reframing of all this. I mean, you really are able to look at the trauma and drama of self-doubt and self, low self-esteem and find a way to help clients through identifying feelings and connecting with both themselves and what they want within another person. And they do that inner child's work and they feel immediately better. I mean, this is amazing work. I want to remind everybody, this is called the Inner Child Recovery Process for Sexual and Pornography Addictions. It's a new and unique therapy for treating the disorder and has been proven successful with a large majority of Eddie's clients in his private counseling practice. And it sounds like you're expanding this. So, you know, obviously you do have a mission and a passion. And as we begin to end for tonight, I want to ask you what else might you want to share with our listening audience to, to get them going in this process?
1: Well, the one thing I'd really like to, for people who are struggling to understand that, you know what, there, there is, there is hope, but the hope is when you do the work that needs to be done and that means really doing the self-reflection, acting God to circumcise your heart. To say, show me the darkness. Show me, show me where I struggle. And again, not just from the area of sexual addiction or pornography addiction. Maybe you have an anger problem, also. Okay, and therefore, how do I learn to tame my tongue? You know, maybe if you have this issue where you withdraw from people, how do I start to learn to engage more with others and that's the challenge that we're on and you know what you're never going to get to a point where oh you master it and you're going to be like the life of the party but you don't have to be all you have to do is just be able to understand that right now there are elements of life that you just are missing out on and it's now time to say you know what i want more out of life i want to move out of the dark and I want to come into the light. I want to know what it, what it really means to experience true love and intimacy, not just with other people, but with God. And, and that, that is available to you. You just need to say, hey, you know what? I, I'm going to take the first step and try to make that all happen.
0: Well, I love that. And I got to tell our listening audience, I'm speaking with Eddie. Capparucci, and he has a counseling practice called Abundant Life Counseling. You can reach him at Ed Kappa, C A P P A at gmail.com. And again, his his website is wwwinnerchild sexaddiction.com Eddie, you're doing important work. I really feel like this is truly where it needs to start. So I thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us tonight.
1: Well, thank you, Carol. Thank you for having me on, Carol. I really appreciate it. I never dreamed that one day I'd actually be interviewed (laughs) by Carol, the coach.
0: You You are killing me. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. I want to hear more about
1: what you're doing, so keep me posted, okay? I will. I will. Thank you again for the opportunity. Absolutely. And uh,
0: good luck in the future, and I'm just so thankful that you're willing to do this work and writing about it and teaching our listening audience, as well as the clinicians and coaches that are listening right now. You make it a good one. Yeah, that was Eddie Caparucci. And he is part of Abundant Life Counseling, and his book is called Going Deeper. And, and actually, it, uh, it is Going Deeper, and it's about inner child's work and how to take your life to that next level. His, his therapy is based on mindfulness, it's based on emotional maturity, emotional IQ, and it's based on empowerment. And you know me, that's my thing. I was just reading to you that uh, Course of Miracles empowerment quote. You were meant for greatness. So I want to hear how you're doing. please send me an email at carol at carolthecoach.com. And, boy, if you're an addict and you want to do something really special for your partner, send her to Italy with me. I would absolutely love that. And if you're a partner and you want to do something that treats yourself to nurturing, self-reflection, and self-development, then this is for you. Hey, listeners. Are you ready for a little healing and restoration after betrayal? Hi, I'm Carol the Coach, and we're living for Tuscany, Italy on July 25th through August 1st, and I would love for you to join us. There is no denying that I want you to find your post-traumatic growth, and one of the ways you can do that is by settling in and experiencing life on a different level. We're going to be staying in a beautiful, traditional Italian farmhouse with seven bedrooms located between Florence and Siena. The farmhouse has a pool on a 625-acre winery. The tour is your opportunity to regain your life and treat yourself to adventure, nurturance, and personal growth. And I will be providing morning workshops and a free coaching session just for you. So if you're ready to reclaim your life and live the life you deserve, go to Sex Help with Carol the Coach or Street View Adventure Travel and sign up. There are only eight spots left, so treat yourself to an international experience of connection, reflection, laughter, and support with other women. And just know I can't wait to meet you. absolutely right we've got people already signed up for the tour unfortunately it's only for women this time but um, truly if you want to relax and rest but have adventure meet with me I'm going to be doing workshops on post-traumatic growth and feeling happy and uh, just empowerment all the way across the world that's what we're going to be doing and so go to my website Sex help with Carol the coach and learn a little bit more about the trip that we're going to take in July. Hey, listen, there's only going to be one of you at all times, and I fearly want you to have the courage to be yourself. So um, make it a good week. I'll see you back here, same place, same time, for more sex help with Carol the coach.